Oh, hey Jim. Are you ready for this week's episode? Ashley, is that a big block Chevy attached to your moped? Ha, no. That would be ridiculous. It's just a small block. Besides, this week's episode is about a pretty cool racer and I didn't want to be left out. Ashley, I see about 15 different scenarios happening here. None of them ends with good things happening. Ah, uh, it'll be alright. See? Here, watch. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Ashley. And this is Second Chance, a moped podcast. Welcome everybody to this week's Second Chance, a moped podcast. I almost said Moped Monday podcast. Why? Because I'm an asshole like Third that. Because week in a row. I know, I'm a tool. But anyways, back to our podcast envy. Yeah, pretty much. I wish I had their numbers. Those guys are fucking cool and funny and liked. I'm hated and hated um but anyways i have some freaking dickies pants that are cursed because i bought them new and then i was out of pants so i warmed to work and then got them full of like glue resin i finally washed them at the public freaking laundromat the other day got all that off and then i was working on a moped and sliced my knuckle open blood all over them so fuck it that was, that was, and then also you saw everybody probably saw by now, I freaking hard seized out in the middle of the country, freaking yeah. Oh, was, that's that's always where you will seize as well. Oh yeah. Well, I was trying to be cool, mopeder, and keep up with the Harley guys, and um. Hold on, hold on. A cool mopeder is one that keeps up with the Harley guys. Okay, I'm an asshole again because again I said everybody hates me and. I'm not a cool person and whatever, but I was keeping up with them. So and you hear that dipshit on the toy that's like, Wee! that's pretty much, pretty much. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, Joe's trying to come in here, but I'm gonna finish the story real quick. But it was a hard seize, and I know what I know where I seized at right by a church. So Holy. either God, yeah, either God hates mopeders or he loves them. I don't know. You take your pick. Uh, we're going to let Joe in here pretty quickly. Car um, breaks down Joe, in the middle of the country. Heck yeah. Right in there's front of a church. That that sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. I don't know. I, you know what? I kind of felt that was going to happen. I was looking for somewhere to lock up my moped, but I didn't have my key because I'm an idiot. I had a lock, though. No key. Go figure. Um, but again, everybody, welcome to Second Chance, a moped podcast. Uh this week we have probably one of the most, one of the best unknown builders in mopeds. Um, first, Ashley, I'm such an asshole. You didn't even introduce yourself. I'm just here in the background. <laughs> I know you are, buddy. Hold on one second. Ashley, will you introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm the wild card. The kind of annoying one, weird voice. Yeah, you'll uh, you'll catch me at the intro, outro. I write the skits. Uh, yeah, anything that's cringy, that's probably got me written all over it. And generally, anybody who's getting annoyed because I feel the need to interject myself, that's me. But anyways, we're going to jump right into it. Joe is one of the 
I would consider the best unknown builder maybe in mopeds. Like for noobs at least, like I heard a Motomatic. I heard of some of the stuff MLM did. I know some of the stuff the guys around here did, Ed's, Detroit, and all that. But then there's this guy I heard on Moped Monday, Jake Kane, talked about. So I looked him up. And I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Joe. My name's Joe Skydaba. I live in West Michigan. I'm currently uh, an apprentice at my dad's pattern shop. Uh, we build uh, tooling for sand castings. Uh, we have a lot of foundries around Michigan. Uh, so that's pretty much what my background is. Okay, we're going to start out like I start out every week. You know, kind of the premise of the show is what happened, what it was like, and what it's like now. So what happened? When was the – Joe, why don't you go ahead and tell us. When was the very first memory you had of a moped? Not necessarily jumping on, but the first time you can remember seeing a moped or a two-cycle mo moped-ish. Sure. Uh, many years ago, uh, there was a coworker at my dad's shop. He had what turned out to be a Honda Urban Express. Uh, totally stock. Of course, this was back... Uh, late 90s early 2000s so uh but one thing i always remembered watching him drive around on it he was always smiling he it, it he wasn't really an angry guy but just mm -hmm. whenever he hopped on it, he just he's just having a good time and this thing only goes 30 miles an hour you know how fun could that be yeah yeah <laughs> we uh i never realized that at the time though what uh what he was feeling the the smile ride kept on going for that guy it sounded like exactly um yeah that's rad uh so you saw this uh, urban express what was your thoughts of it uh at that time i i was growing up had uh many bikes uh my dad and i converted a gas or a a, a push scooter we put a, a, a snowblower engine on it <laughs> so it's motors and motor bikes were that's what i kind of had growing up but nothing really uh, call it street legal mm -hmm. uh but i guess as a kid you're not really thinking of driving out on the road so you're looking at your backyard and and the street in front of you uh, yeah, yeah that's that's sort of the the beginning though is is seeing that seeing a guy on the road uh of course that one didn't have pedals at the time but you know, it's i knew what a spree was Everyone yeah. knows what a scooter looks like. This wasn't yep. a scooter. This was different. Yeah. So you saw that when we always talk about the smile, right? I remember mine. Everybody's heard it a million times. Um, when was the first time like you got on a moped and like just it, it kind of the stars aligned and all of a sudden Joe's like, holy shit, this is rad. Ah, that'd be my first not technically a moped, but it was a Honda NC50. Yeah. Uh, go, converting, going from a mini bike to uh, a moped, that was it. Uh, got it not running. I've never ridden one like that before. That, the first trip, that was, that was something different. Uh, the speed didn't seem to be a factor. It's just 
you see your hands on the handlebars and the road in front of you and you can go wherever you want for me it was a sense of independence mm-hmm. that was that's what gave me the smile mm-hmm. uh, you don't have a cage around you uh, no windows you feel the wind on you you're you're very exposed and you kind of you, you felt that power band like when was that first time you felt? Oh, I, this I thing was two speed, so oh shit! So. It was it was heavy. Yeah. If you lean back far enough on the big seat, you can get it <laughs> to lift a little bit. Nice. I like you know what, dude. People rag on them, but I kind of like them. Like I yeah, I I, I kind of like oh. them. They're they're ugly in a cute way. I knew a guy who had a earlier one with the uh, you had to wind it up like a uh, like an mm-hmm. old toy. That yeah. one I didn't care for. The one speeds, eh? That I put those on the same level as a Batavis. Not hating, <laughs> I had one. <laughs> I was gonna but, say everybody's gonna fucking hate you. The yeah. Batavis crews are gonna come after you, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I I think I. But luckily, if it's a Batavis crew, you can just walk away from them briskly. <laughs> Bad of us for the rest of us, I tell you. <laughs> I got mine to go about thirty-two miles an hour. Oh shit! Well, now, Joe, felt you're like it pretty was blow up, but if <laughs> twenty-five seems to be the happy medium with those things. Yeah, yeah. Um. So we, we're talking. You saw. You got on. Tell us a story about your first moped, not the Express or anything gotcha. like that, but your. So, your first moped the express got me on two wheels uh it got me on moped army so i was exposed to the culture seeing what everyone else had what other people looked up to as far as what models and which were nice which weren't uh went to my first rally i think that which was, was uh, uh kalamazoo uh, okay. 2008 i believe eight or oh nine so I got there, and of course I, I'm riding a Noped, the Express. Mm-hmm. Went there just for the ride. I saw there's probably 30 or 40 of these bikes, customized, stock, just everywhere's in between. Yeah. No one talked to me. No <laughs> one even knew I was there. Now I wasn't outgoing or anything, but you know I'm I'm walking around, I'm looking, and that's when I realized you gotta have pedals. That's the whole point is yeah. you gotta you gotta pedal. And how so, old are you going to your first moped rally? I was graduated seventeen, so I was sixteen. Like I was like Oh shit, you were baby. You were baby. Yeah. So you're riding a moped and you're a baby at a moped rally. I see yeah. why everybody's a little afraid to talk oh, to you. I had gas cans in it i it looks like i was going to travel across country i was <laughs> it's so rad dude yeah i i didn't want to be that guy uh in the van in the back i yeah. want to make sure i can make it and and i did it was it's an express it it made it no dude that's rad though like you again looking at your stuff like you're a prepared guy and dude like whatever it's mo it's mopeds or no peds in that experience but you went to that rally you got a little taste you oh, saw yeah. what was going on yep. so what was your first moped then that'd be a 1980 hook maxi sport 2 oh, all the shit. chrome the snowflakes yeah. 
It was the uh, uh, like the light green that had mm-hmm. the sparkle to it. Just yep. it was fairly nice. Well, of course, not running, missing carburetor and exhaust. It needed some help. Big okay. pimping though. Hell yeah, oh. you got. Oh, I didn't strip anything. I I shined it up. <laughs> uh, got it running nice. Uh, yeah, that was a week after the rally. That was how quick I realized I need to step up my game and get in this. Do you remember how much you paid for it? Oh, uh, I believe it was about 150 bucks That's from Grand bad. Rapids. That's not bad, dude, because, like, I've been hearing some people, and these are, like, very experienced mopeders in the game now. They way they just like anybody, man, new to anything, like, we don't know how much this stuff is. And, like, they're talking, like, they paid 500 bucks 20 years ago for a maxi. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. Oh, but, yeah. like. They're dime a dozen. They're, yeah. Unless you get, like, even, like, the maxi ends with the rigids and whatnot, those are the cheap bikes overseas. Mm-hmm. Just a matter of how how rare they are, and the maxis are not rare. <laughs> when I got my VIP, it was straight out of the barn, seized up, rusted bucket, you know, destroyed tires. I paid three hundred bucks for that. Like it hurts my soul, and then I put a grand <laughs> into it. It hurts my soul <laughs> that I spent that much on that bike. But yeah, we've all had those. <laughs> yeah. So with that one, uh, it was kind of a stepping stone. I had that for a couple months, but with mm-hmm. that bike, I was able to uh, find a guy in my own town that had a garage full of poops. Poops were nice. Yeah. Uh, Maxis, Pintos, and deep in the corners, there was a UPS Magnum, completely stock, side covers, gold mags just yeah. excellent shape just nicks and scratches that's it yeah the holy grail for poop guys oh yeah this is it and that was his baby that's he he had the cover on it oh the the nine yards the question is did he ever ride it though i never asked him if he rode <laughs> it. it looks like he had a rotation of his favorite bikes uh because keep in mind this was 0809 there's no treats uh there was 77 there's a few other places. Uh, so when I was able to talk to him, he showed me this catalog, paper catalog, that had the performance parts, your uh, 70cc kits, bigger carburetors, techno pipes, just the bare, bare necessities. And he had one or two that go 45, and that was, those were his favorites. Those are moving, especially for back then. Oh, yeah, that was... That's all you had. You had like three cylinders to choose from and a couple exhausts. There, it just wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. So you see that UPS you bought. You how how ah to get? Well, I knew what it was. I knew what it was worth, and I knew I wanted it. However, I was uh, that was just the end of junior year, so that must have been two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Not much money. I'm sweeping at my dad's shop, just making crumbs. So the guy knew I wanted it, and he knew he wasn't going to do anything with it. So we settled on a deal. He had a mound of E50s. Crusty, <laughs> nasty, rusty. Isn't that every E50, though, oh, really? Everyone. <laughs> everyone. 
So even when they're running, they're crusty. They're now I'm get, oh, everybody's going to hate me again. Leak and an intake leak. And before you know it, it's, it gets all the road grime on it. Yeah. Well, he told me if I could take this 10 or 12 E50s and turn them into three to five good ones, plus mm -hmm. 500 bucks, I could have the Magnum. That's not, I still, I don't think that's bad, dude. Like, oh, especially no. for, for a Magnum. Cause like, as I always say to people, like for rare stuff, like people are like, Oh, I would never pay that. It's like, okay, find it. Yeah. You got, it has to be in your hands mm -hmm. for it to be yours. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to pay shipping either. <laughs> I mean, this Magnum was sitting six, seven miles away from me this whole time. I and mean, this guy wow. was in his late sixties. He was retired. Mm -hmm this is what he did so for him to see this this 16 year old and say i'm gonna give this kid uh, i wouldn't call it his prize possession but obviously his most expensive bike that was pretty cool of him um so you're negotiating for this uh ups magnum how long did it take you to do all those e50s like time frame wise like Duels E50s, and did you ever get nervous he was gonna back out of the deal? Oh, uh, he seemed to he seemed to stick stick to his word. Uh, yeah, he was a real straight up guy. Uh, I didn't never really had an issue with him. In about a month or so, I got the I finished up the E50s for him, handed him the cash, and I drove out of there. Nice, nice. Um, so. I got a couple different questions for you on that. So you got that E50. Um, you start driving around. You don't want to touch it, but you're like the oh. rest of us for mopeders. I know I can go a little bit faster. What was the first thing you did to totally destroy a cherry? <laughs> and how UPS long did bag? it take? <laughs> I think I had it stocked for about a month. So okay. it was around November. It was getting colder. Time to put it away. Yep. So, didn't exhaust, uh, circuit pipe, and uh, and that was nice. But what I ended up doing was uh, a seventy cc aerosol kit and a Delorto sixteen sixteen. Okay, where'd you so, get those from at this point? Because I know I'm I'm trying to also with this podcast I'm trying to understand where. 77 came to be more of a force and then through this that or the other thing you saw more i'm just trying to see who's the supplier at what times at that time from what i remembered uh there was 77 mm -hmm. uh i don't ever remember like going on their website and seeing what they had for sale uh so i'm not sure what their online presence was online shopping presence mm -hmm. uh, but on moped army uh if you wanted 70 cc kit you got a money order which for people who don't know you take <laughs> cash and you turn it into a, a a paper bill you can send in the mail ship it to uh some guy on the east coast and then a week or two later you get a airsol 70 cc kit for 100 dollars even <laughs> that's not bad that but... was you send your money away and you cross your fingers and then I, I don't even know who it was, if they just bought a whole bunch of stuff from Europe or what, but it worked. Uh, got the package, slapped it on there. Uh, at that time, I didn't rebuild the motor at all. It still had mm -hmm. the original bush crank 
but I did a consistent 45 miles an hour on that. And I have a YouTube That's... video of uh, a GPS run. I hit 48 miles an hour when it was run at its peak. That's awesome, dude. Like, I don't care if you're in the tuck or not. Like, That's stock... a heavy bike. That's yeah, heavy bike. Pounds. Yeah, heavy bike, stock bottom end. I mean, yeah, dude, that's freaking yeah. rad. That is rad. 40 gears. Uh, oh, at that time, I had the circuit pipe on it, and that mm -hmm. limited the top speed a bit. Yeah, uh, dude. So I ended up with a, a Techno Boss, which has mm -hmm. no power band at all. I don't even yep. know if it turns into a four-stroke or something, but <laughs> it does let the art, it does let it breathe on the top end. Okay. So yeah, the bottom end was garbage. I ended up doing a three-shoe clutch, and that helped a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, I put 1,500 miles on it and just put gas in. I drove it to school every day, mm -hmm. uh, weather permitting. Uh, I drove it to Grand Rapids once, going uh, all the way down Leonard. If how I far, find a guy. not to interrupt you, Joe, but how far is Grand Rapids from your place? Because That's about a 45, well, 30 to 45 minutes, depending on where you're at, uh, on the highway. So if you're taking what we would consider a back road, 55 yeah. miles an hour by moped takes about an hour and 20 minutes. Awesome. That shit makes me so happy. Um, you got that UPS Magnum, you're, you're driving around. Um, I'm trying to work in the progression. When's the first time you jumped on a variated bike and destroyed your mopeding world? First question though, before that, I apologize. Yep. When was the first time you quit mopeds? Because we all quit mopeds early oh. on because because they're dumb, they're stupid. I can't figure it out. I quit. Well, I quit because I found motorcycles. Mm. However, my first motorcycle was a 1975 Suzuki GT250 two-stroke. Okay. Two-cylinder street bike. So once I got that, the Magnum sat and sad to say i did end up selling it to a nice lady from chicago okay so it i'm i'm always looking for it if anyone ever looks finds a ups magnum with a goofy scooter disc brake in the front give me a call because i might want to buy it back <laughs> it's the one that got away i should have never sold it that was I my first mistake. ah dude no worries no worries um so, so when was, when was the first time you jumped on a variated bike? I was uh, made some friends uh, locally from the next town over. Uh, he had a moped. We kind of worked on things together, building some bikes, uh, poops and whatnot. Uh, so through that friend, uh, he had a guy who had some hobbits. And mm -hmm. he liked to tinker with things just like me. He uh, had a DR kit. uh all this regular stuff. This Joe, was, I'm going to pump the brakes on you. You do a little more than tinkering, but continue uh, with your story. <laughs> uh, this was around 20, 2011, 2012, mm -hmm. around there. Uh, well, that's when I first uh, met Sergio, and we started working on things. Because before this, I was all by myself. There was, There's no real moped scene in West Michigan uh, towards the coast. Grand mm -hmm. Rapids... Well, everyone knows the Ghost Riders. So, but when you're that young, you're not really hanging out with a gang from Grand Rapids. That's mm -hmm. just not something you do. <laughs> uh, so 
So for a couple of years, we always got together a couple times a week, hanged out, uh, had a lot of fun, uh, started going to rallies. And so a friend of mine, uh, Andy, he had this Hobbit, totally stock looking at it, except for DR kit, some gigantic carburetor, and a Proma exhaust. That's a little more in stock, but... <laughs> well, no brakes. The, the tall ape handlebars, the big mm -hmm. seat, uh, and I don't know what clutch springs he had in it, but you kind of had to hold on. Probably stock, I'm guessing. Uh, so I sat on it, because I'm, I'm coming from a Magnum, 135, 140 pounds, kind of a dog off the line, and now here's yep. this thing. And I almost had the thing shoot right out underneath me. Hobbits are so much fun, dude. If you have if you have light weights and stock clutch springs, like they don't get the best top end, dude. But you you throw that with like a dose variator, like that thing will just it'll move. Yeah. It scoop and you're you're sitting way up high. Mm -hmm. it's, if you can get the front wheel above like 15 degrees, it'll go right over. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. And it the, is. It was initially fear is what I felt <laughs> until I could start to harness it. You lean forward a little bit. And uh, the sense of variation, hearing the motor stay at the same RPM and yet accelerating faster than I've ever felt, mm -hmm. I was hooked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got the smile right again on that, didn't you, buddy? Exactly. That was round two. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible at that time. And I, yeah. when I went to Grand Rapids, there was a guy who had a Metro 80, and I've never seen one of those in person. And, of course, he's just blasting everything. He's having a lot of fun. But to have uh, a relatively cheap Hobbit mm -hmm. with a few bolt-on parts and do that, I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Hobbit guy myself, so that's why I love your stuff. Um, so what was the first Hobbit you had? Because that's what I'm assuming you obviously started up variated. I mean, unless, you, unless you're secretly a derby guy and aren't telling anybody. Uh, I don't got money for that. <laughs> so... A week after I rode that Hobbit, hopped on Facebook, and uh, 20 minutes away was a Hobbit waiting for me. 1978, uh, PA51, 18 okay. miles, totally stock. Uh, someone repainted it at, at one time. Yeah. Uh, just nice and clean, ran fine. Figured that was uh, going to be a good base for just doing little upgrades here and there. Yep. So, because at that time, the Magnum's gone, uh, the Maxi was long gone, and uh, I did, uh, I bought some other motorcycles, uh, a Honda Magna, uh, Yamaha FZ700, so I went fast, and then realized that's, that gets old. So, you know, there's that line, Joe, that, you know, it's way more fun to ride a slow bike fast than a fast bike slow. And I mean, I'm, I totally subscribe to that because like, I just, yeah, that's, I don't know. Sorry for interrupting oh. you, but like, as soon as you said that, I dude, totally I'm like, agree. yeah, it's way more fun to take a machine that is designed to go 22, 23 up to 50 versus a exactly. machine that's designed to go 200 down to 50. The weight helps. I love driving on the highway. But yeah. Eventually it, you're either going to die or you're just going to go to jail because <laughs> you're just looking at what's under what's between your legs 
and you want to let the horses out. You yeah. can't do it. So Story those are gone. Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> my initial thoughts on the Hobbit was to do what Andy's bike was. Cheap cylinder, cheap exhaust, carburetor, go, you know, 40, 45, and just have fun with it. Go to rallies mm-hmm. and, uh, and and just kind of uh, work with that. Yep. Uh, that lasted a few days. Uh, then I realized I want to go faster than that. <laughs> so I, I looked at uh, – different cylinders uh there's a airsol brand metric kit that had good reviews what what time frame are we looking at 2012 uh this would be about 2015 2015 okay yep so uh treats was very prominent i believe i can go back my first treats order was from 2012 nice what Uh, was it what's your what's your customer number if you do you know that oh shit i i i I think i'm like uh, like 1200. I remember there was a thread on that on Moped Army, and so I looked it up. Uh, awesome. I think I'm I'm under 2000. Okay, I'm I'm Fairly way out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the earliest, like when did they open? 2008. I I don't know, dude. It's like I'm I'm only back. three years or so. Like they're initially a part of that eBay. Remember the eBay store craze? Like everybody was gonna oh. have an eBay store. Yeah. They were one of those people from like. That's right. I, they converted My best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe's, Joe's recollecting now. Like <laughs> you guys don't see this because of the audio. It was like, oh shit! Like I can see the wheels turning. So you're you're looking at for parts for the, your Hobbit, the PA fifty one, um, seventy eight. Was it the? It was red, wasn't it then? Yep, all red. Okay. Yep, yep. So yeah, the aerosol brand metric kit had good reviews good power uh i i at this time wasn't even thinking about water cooled so oh this kind of bolts on because treats i think they uh they slotted uh the the mounting pattern a little bit so it fits on hobbit that'll make me go fast well i got the h95 from someone locally Mm -hmm. which that was the most expensive pipe i ever bought uh (laughs) And so I kind of was going to go in that direction, but I realized I'm going to put this stuff on a Hobbit and I'm going to go as fast as I can, which at this point is going to be high fifties. Mm-hmm. And that's not safe. Uh, stock bike, stock brakes, uh, the just everything spinning twice, almost three times as fast as it should be. Not a good idea. No. Uh, longevity wise. Yeah. Uh, so that's when I started uh, thinking about doing my own bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing a frame swap, I never really thought of at the time as a cheaper option. Uh, I wanted to go straight into uh, a vintage-looking 50cc MotoGP bike. So back up to your PA51, had you even considered going with different shocks at that point, or like rear shocks? Or what was the scene for like EBR hydros? Were those available? Did that cross your mind at all at that point? It was until I realized uh, I'd put a ton of money into something that's never going to be what I want it to be. Okay. Uh, I've seen other people's hobbits that go almost as fast as mine. 
Uh, <laughs> the sense of pride <laughs> in your face. Almost. Like, I love it, dude. Uh, no, you running. should. You have a fucking rad bike. We'll get there. But, we'll like, yeah, there. yeah. Uh, their, their bikes have, well, of course, now with the MLM and 77 subframes, which, in my opinion, is a game changer for mm -hmm. uh, strength, stability, eliminating that flex or cracking. They yep. crack. Uh, put one of those on the back. Uh, some type of hydro forks, either EBRs or, uh, I know, like CR80 forks. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of common dirt bike swaps, even though it yep. makes it look like a chopper in the end. Uh, <laughs> those EBR then, hydros are great, like PS. Oh, yeah. They're, they're just bolt-on. The but the, yeah, the real hydros. The hyd not the springers, the hydros. Like, yep. I can, I can say the this. Money. Yeah, get the good stuff. Get it on sale, kids. Get it on sale. <laughs> Wait. Sorry, now, if treats. you can pair the pair the hydros with a disc brake, uh, I welded a, a disc brake pads uh, on one for a friend of mine, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, the combination is fantastic. Awesome, awesome. Uh, good brake, anyway. good suspension. So, mm -hmm. uh, I guess the frame never seemed to be super limiting, but it's still very short wheelbase, 43, 42 inches. Uh, it's more the proportions for me. Uh, How tall are you, Joe? Uh, five nine. Okay. So All I'm fairly right. so small. I, we just had that same conversation. I'm like, man, the wheelbase is really short. Ashley just jumped on mine the other week, and some of it is just where I have my handlebars and where my seat is. I think she'd like a the other. I have the saddle seat, not the long Hobbit seat. Ah, uh, you can't um, go. She she would do way better with the other style seat, but you know. Yeah, so it's. I knew what I wanted, and the the Hobbit platform just wouldn't cut it for me. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what I've done in the past. I realized, like my Suzuki GT two fifty street bike, I turned it into a monster i did fuel injection i built it up to a 350 size i turned it into something it wasn't and i ended up regretting it okay after spending i i totaled up the receipts it wasn't pretty so <laughs> joe, joe don't ever do that with me, oh no Throw don't ever <laughs> don't credit card they're available, they're it, available. Get rid of it. yeah yeah exactly yeah. like i don't even want to look at my treats like go but no no just save yourself a whole bunch of like depressing moments in life don't even look if you go into debt because of mopeds that's okay that's, <laughs> that's one it. of the few you know you can get away with that you're having <laughs> fun so uh, so i knew i didn't want to go down that rabbit hole of trying to force it into something it's not mm -hmm. and so now i have time to design a frame See what I see, what I really wanted, and what my constraints were. Because I guess uh, I still want to stick with the Hobbit platform because mm -hmm. parts are available, uh, crankshafts, just everything is there. Uh, but I wanted it to have that late '60s, early '70s racing bike look. So I looked at a ton of pictures uh, with and without fairings, and I started to see a pattern of. Uh, seat height, wheelbase, uh, how they're connecting the engine, the swing arm uh, to the forks, to the head tube. And 
because uh, I'm not an engineer. I didn't go to school for that. Jesus, but, Joe, you'd fool me, man. Ah. <laughs> uh, I engineer by experience, I suppose. Uh, well, once you see what people did back then, uh, uh, I suppose if you copy it, you have a good chance of not having it just snap in half going over railroad <laughs> tracks. Exactly. Uh, so it's it's some parts common sense and another part uh, seeing what other people have already done and see mm -hmm. what they stopped making what their mistakes were because i'm a huge fan of googling yeah at some point someone had your problem or or uh your situation see what they did learn from it and in my case it only cost me time now you have a sharp eye for stuff like anything i've seen you done and not to make this about me by any means but like whenever i'm anywhere with other mopeds i'm always looking at other people's bikes I'm always looking to see what they did different. Is that some of your experience? I mean, Gray, you don't have a lot. You said you didn't have a really big scene, but like when you're at rallies, are you just going over and like kind of car show, if you will, like just looking at their bikes and what their setups are and how they did something. Like I noticed something about somebody's bike last summer. They had a different colored brake plate and I asked them why, like nobody's asked me about that. It's like simple things like that. I could see you, I could see you picking up on it. Uh, most bikes I kind of pass over, but okay. there's there's certain ones that as soon as it piques my interest, like uh, uh, Jake Kane's bike, there's a few derbies that aren't quite what they seem, especially some of the ones I race with at Moped GP Midwest. Uh, I, I don't know. It's... Uh, if I can see something is different from a distance, that usually draws me in. Uh, okay. I guess when I when I look at something, uh, it's usually because I have a problem and I'm trying to find the solution. So, yeah, once I once I see what someone else did, I kind of find three or four solutions and then pick the one that best fits me. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, sort of my thinking on that. Yeah. So you're starting to build this bike um you're getting some inspiration from from other bikes um when do you yep. start how how and when like that's okay yeah so like wh what time frame are we in 2015 still 2016 yep. uh late 2015 uh, around october i bought it bought the original hobbit uh i took about a month to formulate a plan uh, at that time, I was proficient in CAD, uh, mostly just 2D, uh, but enough to get solid dimensions. Uh, mm -hmm. I modeled uh, the original Hobbit, so I knew what the frame, uh, 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 the rake was, the trail, wheelbase, uh, engine heights, things like that, uh, wheel diameters, tire <laughs> diameters. Because in the end, I don't want to get this thing finished and then realize the front or rear is jacked up two inches because I didn't make something right you know one and done yeah yeah so yeah about a month solid of tweaking it figuring out exactly where the tubes are gonna go how much material i need uh and some of that is uh in my build thread because when i started it i had uh most of the engine built yep that was about it i still what 
work out. Frankly. What's what's going through the motor then? You said you had uh, most of the engine built. Like, yeah, version just one. run it. Yeah, let's go version one. And then I got a few different questions for you on after you finish your parts and specs. Sure. So version one is my air-cooled cylinder, uh, mm -hmm. air-cooled engine. Cylinder was the Airstall brand Fetzer kit. Okay. Uh, nothing ported, just uh, cleaned up a bit. Uh, had to add material to the Hobbit cases. Uh, welded those up. Uh, boarded out, uh, spaced it up. I want to say a sixteenth or so. It was a combination of uh, aluminum uh, spacer and gasket thickness. Okay. So that got the the port timing super happy. Which for that cylinder is, uh, I have the specs on it written somewhere, but they're they're fairly moderate. Uh, One eighty or so exhaust duration. Uh, pretty high transfer and blowdown. So. It's designed to rev up 10, 10 to half thousand to make good power up there. Now, where did you learn about blowdown and transfer timings and everything like that? For the and again, because this moped, this podcast, we're getting to some advanced stuff, but this is I started this a little bit for the newcomer and a little bit to teach people also about mopeds. So, like, where was a good resource for you to learn about two cycle performance? Uh, Google internet. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a few websites that are dedicated to, uh, either how it works or, uh, uh, the performance aspects of it. Uh, beyond that, there's a couple two stroke tuning books, uh, Adam or a uh, Graham Bell. There's a two stroke tuners handbook. Now these are from like the sixties and early seventies. It's all relative though, man. It's even if there's newer stuff that came out that uh, uh, that pushes beyond what you learned you need the fundamentals uh, mm -hmm. you can't just totally. start hogging material out and thinking bigger is better <laughs> or it's uh, it's an air pump and yep. it's 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 so simple yet complicated in how it works mopeds so, are dumb dude <laughs> it's there's no valves it's air comes in makes a lot of noise and air comes out it's uh to make something go stock one and a half horsepower to an air-cooled cylinder making five or six there's a lot of stuff happening more than just making the piston a little bit bigger totally totally my next one question how do you chamfer your ports on yeah on that cylinder it was nike still lined which i love uh i mean Iron cylinders are great, but I mean, Nikasil with good aluminum, that's that's my thing. Uh, files. Okay. I uh, get some nice. Round or, round or flat? Oh, round. Files. Okay. Uh, if you can get like the diamond files, seem to work well for the Nikasil. Uh, I've, I've had some super sharp, uh, real fine files, like the needle files that work all right. But for the most part, for the Nikasil line cylinders, uh, aside from just touching them up here and there, they seem to be all uh, chamfered from the factory. That's with metric kits, correct? Correct. Yeah, okay. once you once you nick that lining, once you chip it, especially on like an exhaust port, it's only a matter of time before it uh, it starts peeling. Okay. So it's it's kind of a fine line, uh, but that's the worst thing is kicking your freshly made motor over 
and then just knowing you just just crunched a ring in the court. It's not fun. No, I, now it brings into my next question. How do you break your motors in? Do you do you rip it and kick kick it and rip it, or do you heat cycle uh, or? I read a lot on that from using dyno oil instead of synthetic. Uh, yeah, low and slow or just going crazy. Uh, synthetic oil, my case, uh, clots, uh, synthetic. Mm -hmm. And let it idle a bit, get one, one or two heat cycles in it, retorque all the bolts, exhaust, head intake, uh, and just start jetting. Okay. So really, by the time I'm done jetting, I probably have maybe 30, 45 minutes on it. Uh, yeah, with these cylinders, uh, especially with the Nitro line cylinders, uh, there's really no breaking in. Uh, I think of it when I did some uh, uh, rebuilt a dirt bike engine, uh, 125. There's no breaking in. I, the bikes only last 30 to 40 hours anyways. Yeah. You're not. Were, the, you're not were these race bikes? Uh, these 125s were these race bikes? or It's just a RM125. Just, oh, okay. just regular. No, it's if used for racing, you do replace it just so you don't have a, a failure on the track. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's still super high strung. You know, these are, this is a 125 making 30 horsepower. Snappy uh, as fuck they oh, are. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, got rid of that because uh, trail riding's not for me. Way too fast. Too yeah. fast. Think flying by. Uh, Dude, uh, I've been on some trails with some buddies like, I used to be, I used to consider myself kind of crazy, but it's like, motherfucker, I'm going to yeah. die if I follow you. You're either going to die, <laughs> break your back, you're you're going to hit a tree. You're going to launch weird and you're at yep. And I'm not a fan of heights anyways. I like to stay <laughs> firmly on the ground, four feet above the ground. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so for breaking in, uh, as long as you 100% know you have no air leaks, you know your motor is airtight. Uh, surprisingly enough, I never did a leak down test, but I use, uh, I try to be picky enough when assembling that I usually spot anything that seems out of order, uh, but it's always it, a good idea if you have the setup. Do you spray down with oh, a yeah. carbon choke cleaner then? Yep. Yep. Let it idle, spray around, and uh, more than once I had some base gasket leaks that are easy to see. Uh, and if anything has any sort of oil coming out, I mean, being a two-stroke, if your head gasket leaks even a little bit, you're going to know right away, even if you mm -hmm. don't hear it. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so we're breaking in. Okay. We we're, we touched on your motor. We haven't touched on your pipe at all, but let's get to the, how long did it take you to build your frame? So that was uh, around November early December, starting to get things together. So I had to get a pipe bender. Uh, I had to really uh, look at my tools and figure out what I needed. Uh, uh, three or four months. I could look back on the timestamps on, on the thread progression. Yeah, uh, We're going to throw the thread progression. We're going to throw your um, build sheet up on for the show. I mean. Oh, it, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a list. There's a lot of stuff. It's rad, dude. You're so detailed. I'm a little jealous. Because uh, previously, before even uh, touching a, a grinder or, or buying material, uh, 
already knew what forks I needed, uh, uh, length of shots, like uh, everything. I already built the bike in theory. Because uh, that's something I hate to do is, is uh, start something and not know if I can finish it or mm -hmm. start building it and realize I made a horrible mistake and I have to go backwards. I hate going backwards. You're talking about 90% of anything I touch and somehow it comes together. <laughs> so That's why I said I'm jealous of the way you build stuff, dude. It's very uh, precise. What you see online of pictures I, I post or videos I post, yeah, the five-minute video, there's hours behind that. And, and rarely do I post stuff that doesn't work. Because there is, you know, I am, believe it or not, nothing I touch is perfect. Uh, <laughs> there's just so much time beforehand to make sure that it's going to work that mm -hmm. I'm not going to waste my time. Yes, yes. Because uh, one time is really the only thing we have that you can't buy. <laughs> exactly, uh, man. Not trying to bring mortality into this. But <laughs> it, you you kind of got to think about it what how you spend your time and and how you consider uh what you want to waste on well shit dude we're wasting our all our time on mopeds now way to bring it down no i'm <laughs> fucking with you um so you start you start getting your pl build plan you got your you got we got the motor figured out or getting the frame figured out um at what point do you decide okay i'm gonna take i'm gonna go chrome molly uh there's a couple guys that uh, kind of going back and forth on on the thread, uh, looking at frame design, little tweaks here and there, and he directed me to a website that I can buy uh, my tubing from. Uh, luckily, I have some sources, but uh, I realized I needed about 20 feet of this stuff. The price difference was maybe $40. So instead of 40 bucks, it cost me 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. But I realized the uh, the physical characteristics of the chromoly are so much better. Uh, yeah, it's the only way. Kind to... of, yeah, it's it's not lighter. It doesn't nope. look any different. Uh, and that's what some people maybe get the wrong impression of. Oh, if you use chromoly, it's it's some type of super metal. It's still steel. It's well, just... my understanding, Joe, in like race cars and stuff like that. The reason why they go chrome molly because you can go a thinner wall tubing and have exactly. the same tensile strength, if you will. Yeah. What is that yeah. word? What chrome molly? Chrome molly. Chrome molly tubing. Chromium molyb molybdenum. Huh. Never heard that one before. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. So I guess it's yeah the it's it's not lighter, but it's stronger, so you could make your final product lighter mm -hmm. uh, i guess it that's one of the big misconceptions of chromoly is is it's lighter it's it's not you can just build it to uh, a much lighter extent yeah in my case my frame is three quarter inch od 49 thou wall thickness that's thin 16 super thin yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, like i yeah welding it is interesting uh like when you're welding the head tube on, you know, you have to think about, uh, like on a racetrack, it is seeing a lot of forces, uh, braking, mm -hmm. uh, being a moped, not so much accelerating, but it's it's got a lot of work being put on it. 
Definitely. And it's only a 16th set. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a bit of trust involved uh, when you're you're bending this tubing, you're cutting it, you're welding it. Uh, it took a long time for me until to let someone else ride it. Because I didn't want to be on the sideline seeing them drive, you know, 50 miles an hour and just have the thing split in half. Because That's the thing about things. it, dude. I always get nervous when people are on my bikes because granted, Anything I... Mm -hmm, and I would feel terrible if something did. So, uh, yeah, fairly thin wall. I, my whole frame is about 18 feet of tube. Mm -hmm. Weighs 10 and a half pounds. Fucking, I was gonna ask you that, dude. Was it way? It's gotta be just feather. It's very light. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty much built. Uh, made a frame jig for it. Everything nice and straight. Uh, gusseted here and there to to make sure uh, stresses were where they needed to be. Did uh, you have a lot of warp? Did it warp at all when you had bent when you had welded up? I know you had a frame jig. Did you let it sit in overnight? Or like how how is that process for you? Uh I was able to fully almost fully weld everything on the frame jig, mm -hmm. uh, which was huge. Being the metal so thin, uh I needed very little amperage. Uh being keep in mind I am taking everything. Yes. So, the only way to uh, weld chromoly. Yep. So being able to tack everything together and mostly stitch weld everything mm -hmm. kept kept it all nice and straight no issues yeah. there uh going to the forts uh they're a yamaha pw80 uh front forts and i was able to find a head tube from the same bike so i didn't have to deal with uh cutting and chopping trying to fit those nicer forks onto the original head tube so you did use the original head tube that was what i was going to ask you did you did you use it or did you just take measurements and make your own head tube? Yep. So I was, yeah, I was able to use the, the, the Yamaha OEM style, just okay. chopped all the tubes off it, cleaned it up, turned it on the lathe. And, uh, and there was you go. <laughs> I knew you had to, I knew you had to do something to it, yo. Oh, that's, yeah. it's, that's you dude. That's awesome. That's the, that's yep. the details I love about so. your, your build. Um, so you get, you get it all ticked up. You're, gonna what are you going with tire what size tires are they um yeah. and where'd you get i saw that front brake design where did that come from that's just massive the front brake uh when's the last time i i, I weighed it once and i was kind of shocked uh it was about eight pounds mm -hmm. uh keep in mind the stock moped brake is about three inches in diameter yes maybe a pound mm -hmm. very light very lightweight so this thing is seven inches. It came on a, a early 70s Kawasaki KZ400, a mm -hmm. dual leading shoe. So it has two levers on it. Uh, so you get maximum braking potential. Just huge, huge uh, brake shoes in it. So that's the brake uh, hub. The yes. brake drum is from a Honda CB something, 350, 400. Uh, so you went drum. That's I went drum. I, was... I wanted, because uh, keep in mind, I wanted it to make, I wanted it to look like a 50cc racing bike. I had no intentions of actually racing it. <laughs> uh, 
competition or trying to be competitive, I wasn't even in the ballpark. So that's why I looked at the giant break drums. That's what they had back in the day before they yep. started going to disc. And so you're trying to stay um, period correct look, if you yeah, will. Yeah, no one puts a giant front drum on. That's uh, what I was maybe wondering. like the Honda, uh, I don't know, Honda Cubs or Passport. You get the, the, the next larger size, like the, the 80, the 90cc stuff, which mm -hmm. is great. That's exactly what a 45, 50 mile an hour bike needs. But I wanted to go almost absurd. If you look at some of these tiny bikes back then, the whole front wheel is almost all brake. Yeah. They're huge. I mean, these those bikes back then were touching 100 miles an hour. And it's, they only had drum technology for some. Yeah. That was it. And they had the drums from bigger bikes. Yeah. They had to swap everything over. Sometimes you just got to do shit no one else is. <laughs> exactly. Just something a little different. And that's that to me is what really really catches my eye when I look at my bike and seeing that giant front brake. Because uh, discs are in almost every way better. Yep. For heat dissipation, lightweight, and I mean, yep. that's that's strong weight. That's exactly where you don't want it. it that's what I'm wondering, dude, because like you take all this time and you're just meticulous about everything. Then you throw this huge boat anchor in the front. Yeah. Now, it does keep the front wheel down, though. So... <laughs> I considered it more of an anti-wheelie device ah, with there the we benefit go. <laughs> of good brake. Uh, I mean, the braking is excellent. I have, yeah. I think when I did, uh, there were some uh, uh, games we played at Moped GP Midwest, and uh, I actually did a stoppy on it, which scared <laughs> me because I had never done that before. But it's yeah. uh, no brake fade when I did the racing on it. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> Oh no, it's it's almost impossible with that size. Considering the bike it came off of weighed about four hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. And so tire wise, at that time I was using a two inch front tire and a two and a quarter rear. Skinny oh wow. Pizza why'd you why yeah, I was gonna say the pizza yeah. cutters. Why'd you uh, go with such a narrow tire? Was it just for acceleration or Yeah, lightweight, uh and having uh it's kind of stupid i'm looking for a lighter weight i'm running yeah you run eight pound fucking uh, lead brakes but whatever the, uh the look was right having a nice thin wall uh that's what a ton of those bikes back then ran was just mm -hmm. these super skinny tires i mean they're I'm a fan they're not going around a go-kart track back then they're just huge circuits mm -hmm. they're just holding it wide open the whole time uh and that's what i ran for a couple years uh i actually i raced it at midwest uh twice where was Midwest held at? Was it the same track every time, or was it different tracks? Uh, same track in Iowa. Okay. So, and that was nice being able to go there the first time, learn the track, learn what the bike wanted, and then go back the second time and kind of refine it a bit. Uh, but I realized with those tires, the sidewalls are almost like a bicycle. There yeah. is. No I couldn't yeah. hear them down. It was it was embarrassing. These other guys are asking me what I'm doing. You know, oh, are you going? You know, 18, 20 psi lower. It's like I'm at 35. <laughs> or else I'm gonna touch rim on the pavement. I, yeah. When I break the front end, skipped it. It was not. It was not pretty. I was just. I was pushing the bike around the track. It was not good. That's uh, hilarious. Still got third, but <laughs> I. 
pure acceleration, homie. Pure yeah, acceleration. I, I passed them, and then they passed me in the turns, and it was a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. So you got the bike going. Um, you How did you pick your color schemes? Uh, at the time when I was building this bike, I was working at a automotive restoration shop uh, just down the street from my dad's machine shop. Okay. Uh, so I'm working with old Jaguars, Mustangs, Corvettes, Rad. all this cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, when you work with that stuff, you really uh, start to see all these vintage racing colors. Mm-hmm. And the owner of that shop had uh, a real Shelby Cobra 427. Fucking rad, so dude. Like, was... I've, seen, I've seen a lot of copies, but like oh. never a real deal. Yeah, there's more copies than the real thing. There's <laughs> only like 400 of the 427s. What's that uh, Mustang that there's more registered now than there ever was produced? Um, oh, yeah. The Cobra, 427 Cobra. I think it was, or she, anyways, but yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. As soon as you have a rear model, everyone likes to copy it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Gulf Oil, the, the light blue, uh, the darker orange, white, uh, black pinstripes. That's, that's what I wanted to go towards. It's a uh, great color combo, dude. It's one it of my favorites. Works. Yeah. And as soon as you see it, it's, it's always vintage. It never, never to me ever looked modern. Nope. But so, it all, but dude, it never you never get old looking at it. Timeless. It's exactly. Timeless. Yeah, dude. Like, cause I love that color scheme. I've seen, I've seen those colors used on other things, but dude, it's just fucking. It's a orange yeah. on, orange on petty blue is fucking great. I mean, that's what I, it looks like to me. There's a few people who says that it's overdone. I've never seen one in person, so I figured, you know, <laughs> if I had one more to the internet. That might not be great, but around here, it's it's one of a kind. So the the blue on the tank and seat is Grabber Blue from uh, mm-hmm. Ford Mustang, newer stuff. Uh, that's about as close as I can get. I bought paint off some website online. That was cheap. Uh, the <laughs> frame and subframe are powder-coated uh, safety orange. Uh, yeah, it's orange. safety orange is a great Which, orange, uh, man. This was... Yeah, twenty. Yeah, still twenty fifteen around the the winter time. Got that powder coated at the Ghost Riders shop, and nice. the giant oven, real nice. That oven. that right that um, fix and build or whatever it is they do every winter. Chad Burke's deal oh, or I, I've never been to one of those. Dude, how it, far away are you from that? I'm like, only an hour and a half. It, I and fucking hate you. <laughs> this podcast is over. No, I'm joking. Uh. I like seeing what he's doing down there, but I uh, just being crammed into a shop like that in the middle of winter is just not my thing. <laughs> hey, dude, what if no you got worries. a bike to build? What's the better place? I well, I want here powder coat it there. I don't think out. I'd. I don't think I'd ever bring a bike there, but I'd like to go there just to see all the shit that's going on. Ah, just a spectator. Yeah, dude, like. It seems like a this beautiful shit show of mopeds, and I love it. Nonstop, twenty four seven. Exactly. So you're building your bike. You got your color scheme. Um, what's it like? What do you have the date when you first rode it? Oh, that'd be. Feel, there was. I feel any, like there wasn't any snow. It was. It was very early, probably April. 
<laughs> April, early May. So I guess, you know, starting to chop up the metal to to putting the finishing touches on it on version one. Uh, yeah, five months. Okay. There. Uh, now there was, because I wasn't running a stock subframe either, I fabricated this monstrosity of a plate steel one that was okay. excellent it would never break you could you could pull a car with it if you wanted to <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but it weighed about 12 pounds it was yeah, i'm sure it, it probably was more than that yeah it, oh, i waited it was only 12 until he okay. added the pegs and all the the nucleus on it yeah uh, but it did work though it was uh it was enough to get me where i needed to go uh, mm -hmm. But you kind of looked at it, and it looked like, like a suspension bridge, attached to this old motorcycle. It didn't yeah. it didn't really work. Uh, yep. But I had it; it was fine. Uh, didn't break. So at that time, uh, BM20 carburetor uh, tucked inside. That was the other nice thing about doing the custom subframe is running the carburetor in the center. Mm -hmm. I I really wanted to get away from not running it off to the side yep. which stock subframe is all you can do uh, yeah yeah of, uh, maybe like a 16 but you're still it's so crammed trying to work with it it's not fun yeah dude so with it's this a, one it, what is it, what's that expression off. it's uh, 10 pounds of shit in a 5 pound bag <laughs> yeah you're shoving all of it right in between the rear wheel and the engine it's mm. uh nice thing about my frame too is uh the way it's shaped i have a ton of access to get right in there uh -huh. uh, whereas the stock frame it loops down so close to the engine uh your options are very limited for uh intakes things like that unless you really jack up the rear with taller shots uh, and then that screws up a lot of things i'm not a fan of that i'm i i, I, I came from a Spanish community. I like stuff low, low uh, to the ground. Easy on, easy off. Exactly. Um. So, you, what was it like riding that the first time, version one? That had a uh, rear pulley with uh, a yellow spring and the TJT variator. That's all we had at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved it. Uh, just loose springs in the clutch. Uh, had nice acceleration. And with that cylinder and cylinder head combination, because it was just physically larger in area, I was cruising at 55 miles an hour. I, I, the top speed I ever hit was about 63. Uh, mm -hmm. But just, I could cruise 50, 55, going up and down hills. Uh, I drove it uh, with Sergio uh, down to Holland to a, a little car meet thing, just a, a backwoods deal, 30 miles. And I watched the temperature. I go up a hill and it raises a few degrees, or I go uh, in a shade of trees and I watch it go down a few degrees. Mm -hmm. It hovered around 360 to 380 the whole time. That's it awesome. was amazing. Didn't have to touch it. Uh, it just, and I had the pull start on it. Uh, which I know now there's uh, the one-way bearings, and I know a lot of people like that. I'm a huge fan of the lawnmower start. Uh, <laughs> I don't have pedals anymore. I have pegs. Uh, mm -hmm. Kind of going backwards on the whole moped mentality. <laughs> uh, Man, get that yeah. mini bike out of here. <laughs> get that mini bike. <laughs>
pull starts are mini bikes. <laughs> weed whackers and chainsaws. <laughs> yeah, I guess. love riding weed whackers. <laughs> no, your your weed whacker and chainsaw have way more power than my Moby right now. I guarantee yeah. it. <laughs> so with this version one, uh, no fairing. It was completely naked. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks kind of goofy because I the wheelbase ended up being forty eight inches. So it's which a long is one. Excellent for high speed. Mm -hmm. uh, because the Magnum was fairly nice. I think that's 40, 45 or so, 44, a little bit longer. Because uh, I know going from like a Maxi to a Magnum, the swing arm alone is two inches longer. Magnums, you look at them, they're one, I don't know what the longest moped is, the production moped, but Magnum's got to be up there because those yeah. are. Magnum's, uh, the Sebring's, a uh, friend mm -hmm. of mine has a Sebring, and yeah, it's, it's physically, it's just a large bike. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, no fairing. Uh, that's it. I didn't want to say it at the time, but someone brought it up. You should put a fairing on that. <laughs> I, I never made provisions for it. However, unconsciously, I built the bike for the fairing because all the bikes that I based the geometry off of all had yeah. fairings. Yeah. You can't go 100 miles an hour without any with uh, all that air resistance. Exactly. So I rode it. That'd be 2016. Rode it all summer. Enjoyed it. Went to rallies with it. Uh, except for the first rally I was going to bring it to. Uh, uh, I put a TJT clutch uh, variator on it with the steel bushing. Oh, uh, yeah. That steel bushing robbed me of the long ride at the Ghost Riders <laughs> Rally that year. Uh, of course, it ruined the ride, but it actually, uh, later that night, once we got it fixed, I was able to do some riding with uh, friends of mine through the city that yeah. more than made up for... Uh, what city was this now? Uh, Grand Rapids. Okay. I don't travel. Yeah, I know. I don't I... travel at all. I'm uh, even uh, doing the moped GP in, in Iowa. For me, that's... Uh, five and a half to six hour drive i i wouldn't get physically sick but i just have a real anxiety about uh i don't know i call it unknowns uh yeah traveling where you're not where i'm not comfortable i have a very set schedule i have places i like to go and you go beyond those boundaries and yeah it's uh yeah, yeah dude i mean no I worries push past that well, you know, mental things are mental things. Like, dude, I grew up on oh, a lake. It's, it's fully men mental. I agree. I, I have a fear of open water. And I can swim, Joe. I can swim. I have a fear of open water. So, dude, uh, I feel you on that. No worries. Um, it's easier with other people, though. If I can get a group together, like friends of mine, we went to Ohio a couple times for a couple rallies. That yeah. was great. Uh, so, yeah, traveling is uh, is – a big deal for me. Okay. Okay. Um, so you, you talked about grand Rapids a little bit. You talked, you never will try to circle back a little bit here. Um, did you, at the point at the high point in your city, um, what was the most amount of mopeders you had going? Like, was there ever considered a club, a gang? Did you guys ever have like a name you call yourselves or like, yeah. well, and, where I live, there's 
no real uh, get together or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the few friends of mine in Muskegon, which is just north of me, uh, uh, there's a bunch more scooters up there. Uh, they kind of have their own thing. And at one time, we had probably four or five that we we'd get together and we ride around a bit. But mostly, it's we we get our friends together that then we go to rally. Okay, that was our our thing. Yeah, I mean every community is yeah. a little different. I mean, yeah, dude, Brad. But um, if you traveled a half hour, forty five minutes, Grand Rapids, you could ride with thirty or forty people on mm-hmm. any given Monday. There you so go. It, it it's so close yet you wouldn't you would never even know it unless uh, you went online and saw that. How often did you show up to their weekly rides? Uh, twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> Uh, uh, for me, it was mostly work because I'd get out like at five thirty or six, and then mm-hmm. they kind of start at seven and traveling, and it all kind of circles back around. Uh, so I, I watched from a distance. Uh, hey, dude! They knew me. I knew them. Usually, it was them looking for parts, or <laughs> I'd make them something. And uh, a friend of mine, Rex Scheller, he uh makes decals for many of my projects uh i'd make some for him and then we'd ride around the grand haven area because uh, i when i talk about west michigan i'm five miles from the lake from lake michigan mm-hmm. so to be able to to drive down and, and drive down the coastline is it's a, a privileged experience it's a beautiful countryside around there dude no no doubt we have about the it. sand wisconsin has the rock Fuck Wisconsin. I love uh, you guys in Wisconsin. No, I don't. No, well, that was a bit aggressive. <laughs> I'm from Minnesota, dude. That's what we Wisconsin. do. Dude, that's what we do. But anyways. Oh, you're in Minnesota. You're That's your rivalry. Yes, yes. Wow. Um, so no, it's like us a, in Ohio. Oh, nothing, dude. You guys have such a bigger beef with Ohio than we do Wisconsin. I don't us even is- know what that's all about. It's like you're just told to do it. <laughs> us we just kind of jab each other you guys are hatred um, <laughs> but back to your bike and me talking about me again there we go um so you're t- you you got into it a little bit you talked about a fairing so you you rode your bike around you decided you what 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 was your top speed at this point without uh, a fairing and version one without a fairing yeah Air cooled, no fairing, sixty three. Uh, okay, I could on average hit sixty without an issue, yep. uh, depending on road conditions. And that bike was a little more finicky with uh, temperature and humidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really changed the jetting once I set it, and it didn't blow up. I just kind of left it there. Set and forget it, baby. Oh yeah. So. Uh, it was more than fast enough where I didn't really feel like I needed to really tinker with it much, you know, play with a variator a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, I was just happy with it. Uh, you know, freshly built, uh, and keep in mind, I'm running points ignition. Yeah. That's what I, was I didn't ask. even jump for the points? HPI. Uh, yeah. So to go that fast and that consistent with points ignition, uh, I, I, I guess I was lucky, I suppose, with uh, uh, with the reliability I had. Because I mean, that's it's from 1978. It shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Well, the part, some of the parts, the 
most of them oh, like you I built guess, it. Electrical parts, I guess. Yes. Uh, electrical electricity doesn't age well. <laughs> so, I suppose going to version two, it's it's getting colder, snow's coming. I'm looking at the bike. I'm looking at my bank account, and I'm looking at treats, which is a deadly combination. Oh, isn't it though? <laughs> uh, they have fairings and they have windscreens, and I bought one, and I put it on there, and it's it's like the Cinderella glass slipper. Like I should have done this from the beginning. <laughs> uh, so that's what I spent the winter on was putting the fairing on it, uh, but in combination with that. I decided to go water cool. Okay. Uh, really go that that was my next level. Uh, I, I I I built a dyno uh, recently in 2018, okay. but I'd say uh, with what the water cooled cylinder was making, I had actual numbers from it. That air cooled cylinder is probably pushing about eight horsepower. Uh, it just felt really healthy. Right, you know, H95 yeah. uh, B force reed block. I made a uh, an angled reed block for it because there was the trick metric adapter that makes it uh, parallel. Uh, so I I did some engineering on my part and worked with uh, the flow of the engine, how the original reeds work. Uh, so yeah, still using the the smaller VM20, uh, just a real nice. Uh, it seemed a very proportional uh, all around for what the cylinder wanted. Uh, because I mean, based on the the temperatures I was seeing, the speed, it was a happy motor. It was a nice combination. What jets were you normally running in that motor then, and what would you have your um, needle clip at? Ah, uh, uh, I I want to say I was in the low two hundreds for mm -hmm. the the main jet, so pretty fat. Yeah. Uh, the the needle jet is interesting. Uh, you have your five positions. Yep five clips uh i had to uh, uh turn on the lathe two more positions on the needle this thing got 30 miles to the gallon That's... i never followed a spark plug like this thing just wanted gas so it, i guess you know you make a lot of power it needs more gas yeah i i ran the needle in the middle and it just has that awful bog. I ran all the way at the bottom. It, it was getting better. Yeah, I was running the needle technically on the seventh clip from the top. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude. Like, that's something I'm I've never heard of that. I didn't even know you could do that. All I knew <sighs> well, is I needed more gas, and I I had a lathe. So well, I, I was going to say, you got your own. You can, you'd never heard of it because you made your own needles to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was an odd combination, uh, but it worked. So, uh, yeah, dude. Going to version two, I kept the same size carburetor, the VM20, mm -hmm. uh, same reed block adapter, B force reeds. Uh, How the, thick are reeds? Uh, they only come in one size. I have no okay. idea what it is, but it's an eight pedal. They're fairly thin. Oh, okay. So, uh, and that reed block can handle uh, up to a twenty-six. So it's it just worked really nice, very expensive. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The cylinder is for a Puggio speed bike, uh -huh. uh, so it'd be a, a horizontal Minarelli uh, designation, I guess, because I know all these scooters all share 
certain platforms. Uh, mm -hmm. I found that out when looking at exhaust. So uh, it's considered a mid-race cylinder. So uh, it's still got two rings on the piston. Yep. Uh, the porting is is a bit more excessive than what the, the air cell kit was. Uh, so it's designed to make peak power between 10 and 11,000, not 13 plus like the race cylinders. Mm -hmm. uh, and that one... Uh, so how come you didn't go race cylinder? Did you want still... You, you, were you trying to compromise speed and reliability also? Or were you trying to find that balance a little bit? I wanted... Yeah, definitely reliability. When I saw these race cylinders that needed to stay above 13,000, mm -hmm. their power bands were so aggressive. Trying to tune for that is an issue. And I'm looking at the shafts on my crankshaft. It's 10 <laughs> millimeters. It's three-eighths of an inch. Like, I'm I'm setting myself up for failure. That, you know, start... Like, I already proved uh, going 60 or so, I could do that reliably, so... This was the, the next next step. Uh, One question I didn't ask you: What kind of belt were you running at this time? Oh, stock. Stock. You, were you, Stock's the way were, to go. At the time. I was gonna say, were you able to source a new old stock one, or were you just go, trying to peel them off any bike you could? Oh, I uh, I was able to find a guy that was selling three of them, and I bought all three. Yeah, yeah. So I kept the same belt on it this whole time. I'm still running the same belt I was running with five years ago. See that right there, buddy? Huh? Yeah, I'm flicking you off. Um. <laughs> uh, now there's, I know Treats has, uh, they came up with their own belt. Uh, mm -hmm. I think you ran an Enduro belt uh, mm -hmm. that you had some good luck with. Uh, my issue I have with the stock belt is because it's old, probably saw some oil contamination. Uh, it, it doesn't slip except for taking off. So mm -hmm. my my initial leap is not that great. Uh, mm -hmm. And I run my belt fairly loose just so I can get it super high on the front pulley. Yep. Uh, keep the RPMs down. Uh, but it, it's a compromise, and I didn't really see a need. You know, my zero to five, I don't really care. It's everything beyond that. Okay. So you're, you got this, you got the water cooled cylinder. Um, we discussed the belt you're running. Um, still on that yellow rear, yellow spring. Or are you? Yep. Did you jump up to the red? I uh, kept the yellow. I knew the reds. The reds had binding issues. Uh, a lot more stress on the crank. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to try to try to keep the the stresses down to a minimum because I know if you have that much more stress, it's also wasting horsepower. You're, you're putting that much more stress on the belt. Uh, one other thing I did uh, to that engine was uh, I put a CDI on it. Okay. Uh, however, Treats was out of stock on HPI. Mm -hmm. So a guy on the internet said, <laughs> if you buy the Lapardi Moby CDI and you kind of fabricate a backplate, it'll work just fine. Joe's like, he, I can fabricate a backplate. Oh, he was 50% right. <laughs> so making the backplate wasn't an issue. Uh, I acquired a 3D printer at that point, so I was able to uh, model it up, print it, check clearances. Uh, I did manually machine that on a turntable. Uh, mm -hmm. The thread kind of shows that. I That's 
one of the few things on the bike I'm most impressed with is this this ignition. Uh, the lay party CDIs don't work on the Mobies, much less <laughs> anything else. I bought two CDIs, like two full packs, mm-hmm. with full assumption that it was gonna not like just stop working at some point. I'm still running the original uh, ignition on it. Look at you, Mr. Fancy Pants, having oh. Moby parts work, finding Honda OEM belts. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Except for the CDI, though. Uh, I didn't use the stock one because it's just a set. Uh, uh, it doesn't retard at all. Mm-hmm. So there's some uh, some ones on eBay for 15 or 20 bucks that with a little bit of soldering works with it. Uh, those I had excellent success with. Drops it about three or four degrees. So not crazy, not like HPI. HPI is nuts with, with how far they're able to drop. Uh, hook up your grounds. Because if you don't, you fry your CDI box real fast. Yep. One pull of the pull start. Yeah, every time. I, I felt embarrassed. So uh, I had to make a, a custom uh, uh, to mount the flywheel onto the yep. That's the the tapers aren't the same, completely okay. different. So yeah. drilling out the rivets, uh, making up a new hub for it, uh, which is actually cool because uh, think of it like the Hobbit flywheel, where it's a two part. Yep. That's what this one looks like. So I can okay. unbolt the flywheel and have full access to the backplate, which uh, is adjustable. It's uh, I made it slotted. The stock oh, Hobbit. Okay. Uh, no, you have you have your keyway you got your cam your keyway your flywheel you pop on and it's kind of is what it is exactly 18 degrees if you set your point gap right and that's it that's all you yep. get unless you run uh no keyway and then you're trying to set that flywheel just right on there and uh not, not this not boy fun. <laughs> um keyway gets you there every time exactly uh yeah end up doing Ninja 250 radiator, giant radiator. Yeah. Uh, like everyone gets off eBay for 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm running the, uh, the pump and I put a tack on it as well. Uh, not hooked up to the charging system, completely separate. Okay. That way I didn't have to deal with uh, rectifying it, regulating it. Uh, I get about five hours to a charge running that. So, if you look at my seat, it's basically a two by four. So if I run five hours in one day, I'm probably not physically capable of walking anymore. I was going to say you're not riding the next day. Yeah, it's self planting <laughs> uh, Yeah, so uh, the subframe, I end up going tubular, which uh, was one of the more difficult uh, parts of the bike to build just because yeah. nothing is straight. Nothing is parallel. The uh, to get everything to work, I, I I almost can't put my rear tire on. Like if I wanted yeah. to change, like take my rim off, uh, the gearbox has to uh, come out first before the tire can. It's a jigsaw puzzle. I got. I got. I'm gonna have to relook at that just to see this now. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it right now because I'll start clicking and then I'll want to freaking throw my headphones <laughs> off when I listen. Re-listen list. Um, Ashley's had to deal with that. Like I can hear clicking. 
it being the uh, the tube wraps around the back of the okay. subframe. Yeah. You can't take the 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 gearbox, the final drive assembly, and just slide it backwards. It no. don't work that way. No, no, no. So it's great for strength and stability. It it's uh, yeah. I, when I built it, I had uh some of those things bolted in there to kind of help me with finished welding it because I couldn't do the rest of it on the jig. Yeah. I had a small moment where I thought I welded the gearbox into the subframe. Like it was trapped. <laughs> like I'm trying to rotate upside down and sideways and it does. There's a very specific method of assembly and disassembly. That makes me uh, so happy, dude. Like I love jigsaw puzzles like that when it comes to mopeds. Like, dude, you gotta do the you gotta do step A, B, C, and D to get this instead of just dude, that's awesome. At the time I uh I modified the H ninety five pipe to mm-hmm. bolt onto the flat flange uh of the liquid cooled cylinder and uh, and it was great. Uh broke in the motor, uh had a huge issue with following out spark plugs. Uh needed mm-hmm. a thermostat. So fix that fixed that issue. Drove it around. No, why did I, I I know and I understand with cooling systems why but um, what kept happening with that? Was it just not you're not getting the bike up to temp or? Exactly. Uh, it stayed at 105 degrees, and it mm-hmm. couldn't get above that. Well, are you no running straight water? water? Are you running a antifreeze of some type? Uh, water wetter. So, for, yeah. for us dumb kids, what is water wetter? Uh, a very expensive small bottle of juice that you put in your distilled water. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's required on racetracks because uh, it doesn't. Uh, uh, I guess it, e- it evaporates. I guess it doesn't leave a, an oily film, and it really helps uh, boost water's capability of uh, uh, extracting heat from surfaces. Yep. It breaks isn't it surface a, tension. It's also a lubricant too, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I, so know, it, I know. I know what it is. Aluminum. Yep. It's yeah. It's a. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much whatever your race car runs in it. Mm-hmm. If you have to mm-hmm. drain your system on and off, it's I you work with antifreeze a couple times. It's <laughs> almost that. differential yeah. fluid. Gear yeah. Oil. So. Oh, dude, I'd rather deal with gear oil or differential fluid over antifreeze any day. Like, antifreeze somehow ends up in my mouth every time I try to work <laughs> with it. I mean, you're underneath your car. You're working with hoses. It's it's not fun. Uh so yeah, once the once I can get the motor up to 135, 140 degrees, issue completely solved. Okay. Uh, however, I never changed the spark plug to a colder plug. I was running mm-hmm. a number six in it, mm-hmm. and that eventually led to the demise of the first cylinder. Oh. Uh, holding it wide open, I was having the, uh, uh, it just start losing power. I thought I was running out of fuel. I modified my carburetor to flow more fuel into the bowl, timing, jetting. I was running out of ideas until I finally just held it wide open, just thinking, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, you get to that point where you're just like, yeah. fuck it. Yeah, it locked right up. <laughs> like it, it bogged for about three seconds <laughs> and just locked up until I slowed down enough, clutch unlocked. It was more of a soft seize. It wasn't that hard, but it completely vaporized the top of the piston. Awesome. 
everything was gray. The you look down the header gray. Uh, so I finally learned what detonation is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When your spark plug turns into a glow plug, mm -hmm. uh, octane levels. So once I got a new cylinder and put it on there, uh, new bearings and seals, of course, mm -hmm. uh, new crankshaft too. Uh, no taking chances with melted aluminum everywhere. Yeah. I now run a 50-50 mix of 93 octane and 110 lead. Okay. Race gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can still locate that because there's rumors of a few places around here for 110. But like uh, I... Yeah, there's there's one place near me uh, about 30 seconds away from my shop <laughs> that has it. They have a big drum, 55-gallon uh, drums of it. Uh, so let's let's get list the reasons why we should hate joe he's got uh oem honda belts he's got moby parts that actually work for him and he's got 110 race gas uh 30 seconds from his shop so yeah, yeah okay joe fuck it's you. the trifecta i've yeah. got it all <laughs> uh and i now have a number eight ngk in there and it's oh, okay. been happy ever since okay so so that was that's version two uh, the little tweaks I've done to it was uh, I swapped out the exhaust with a uh, Yasuni C16 scooter pipe. Okay. Uh, I, I actually bought two of them. The first one I modified because I had some internal baffling that's what was believed to be a restrictor. It's not. It ends <laughs> up, it turns your power band from a nice smooth one to one that has a giant dip in the mid range. Okay. Uh, that's why I originally built my dyno for was to figure out why it's doing what it's doing. Joe, you uh, make me so happy with your logic and stuff like that. Like, I, I'm i jealous. That's all I'm going to say. It's all documented, too. You can see. Uh, <laughs> now, did you, where'd you get the plans for the dyno? I've heard a few rumors of people getting it from uh, Mr. Two-Stroke Stuffing Man. Yep, Alex Steins. He, uh, yeah. I, I wanted something similar uh in the past just to have fun on because i had all these things that were under 20 horsepower mm -hmm. and then when i saw him on a on a pallet this giant electric motor and he just started chopping it up like <laughs> well shit i've got a, a scrap yard 20 minutes away i'm sure they have electric motors mm -hmm. two thousand dollars later i've got a dyno <laughs> yeah when you go to a scrap yard and you want to buy something off their yard it's not the eight cents that they give you for scrap metal. Electric <laughs> no. motors have a specific value, and for me, it was thirty-eight cents a pound. It doesn't sound like much. The motor weighed four hundred pounds. Yeah, it was. I was sticker shocked, but it was right in front of me. It was there. I took it home. <laughs> uh, yeah. As far as the Dyna goes, long story short, it uh, it was a lot more work and a lot more electrically. Uh, uh, it was a lot more than I thought it was going to be, both time and money-wise. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it works. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. Uh, it it just serves a very specific purpose, and yeah. it does that very well. Uh, awesome. Yeah, the Yasuni pipe. Uh, I wa I wanted to get a bit more top speed out of it, a bit more. See what if the cylinder could be pushed a bit more. Mm -hmm. H95 uh, pretty much falls out at about 10,500. 
uh, with my tachometer, I can see exactly uh, where the motor's making power. The dyno tells me where it's making the power, so I can uh, tune the variator to that. Yeah. Uh, um, my question is, now I, for me, I'm always that guy that'll just go right to the top and ask why. Have you ever reached out to some of these um, moped manufacturers and tell them what you got going on? Uh, you know, a few different pipe makers around the country that just say, hey, can you build me a pipe for bigger top end? Or did you just decide, well, this is scooter cylinder, so I'm going to go with the scooter pipe? Like, how did you figure out that? Uh, I did a ton of research looking for a pipe that would best suit what the cylinder I have. Because uh, mm -hmm. it's so easy to bolt on, let's say, like a Proma to yeah. this thing. And it won't hand. go above 9,000. It'll just mm -hmm. hit a wall. Or you put, um, uh, like, the Simone pipes, like some of these super top-end 12, 13,000 RPM pipes, and just totally ruin it. It's, it's, it's the combination of parts that will give you the best performance. So through enough research, and again, Googling, uh, people looking at all these pipes, uh, people spending their money first, mm -hmm. uh, this seemed to be... Uh, the best bang for the buck and so i bought it from canada which was awesome because free shipping over 200 bucks and nice. it was like 75 cents to our dollar so i got it dirt <laughs> it was awesome so it was like a treat sale is what you're saying oh basically. yeah it was excellent <laughs> that's so, awesome modified the header a bit just to fit with the angles i've got and uh it it did give a boost it moved my whole power band up about a thousand rpm so now i'm I'm making peak power around 10 and a half and it tapers awesome. to about 11, 11 and a half. And, and that's what I want to see because you can't change gear ratios except for the race gears. But at that time I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. So you're limited by how high up you can ride the, the front pulley and not snap your crankshaft. So. Which that, I've seen from a few different guys doing that. Oh yeah. Well now I, I recently saw people are bending their uh, rear pulley shafts, mm -hmm. which is weird because I've got this much power. I've never seen that. I don't know if it's set up or if they're legitimately just, you know, if you bend that pulley, you got some serious belt tension. Like now I've got uh, the rumpus plate by treats. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Highly recommend it. I'm running a stock spring in my rear, ba uh, rear pulley, uh, sort of. Uh, it's partially stock spring, and it's got a smaller spring inside. Shorter. Oh, okay. Uh, I think, I think it was Jbot that might have been playing with that. He did yeah. a lot of stuff on rear variators. Shout yeah, that me. guy is a magical, magical man when it comes you to can just get that guy. Weird research. What a brain to tap into. Wow, <sighs> very, that's I'd be scared to walk into that, but ton <laughs> of stuff going on up there. Uh, he started playing with progressive contra springs and mm -hmm. uh so i played with that a little bit uh bought some springs and played with it and that seemed to work out nice you get the uh the real nice soft uh spring so you don't have to uh do super heavy weights up front so you can lighten the front weights and then you still get that uh little extra spring pressure about eh, 48 50 miles an hour 
where I'm coming into the power band. <laughs> That's uh, awesome, band. dude. I've, because like most of us are run like top speed is 48, 50 miles an hour. Uh, I'm just getting started. <laughs> uh, keeps it from over, over, or over. Uh, keeps the RPMs from dropping down. Uh, that's always a huge issue with the TJT. You accelerate super nice, you get up to about 40, and then all of a sudden you just feel the whole thing kind of shift. Mm -hmm. uh, the rumpus plate uh, fixes a lot of that and allows you to not run as stiff of springs in the back. Stiffer mm -hmm. springs is, it's robbing you of horsepower. Mm -hmm. uh, if you need to do it, you need to do it. But if you can get away with it, run as light a spring in the back as possible. Don't go straight okay. to the reds. Uh, so with that combination, the liquid-cooled mid-race cylinder, uh, I was doing a BM20. I am now running a TM24 like everyone wants you to do. 5% uh, increase in overall power. That's it. Now, that's enough to win a race, but if you're looking at it cost-wise, between a 20 and 24, not huge. Mm. Uh, yeah. The Yasuni... Uh, Scooter, uh, scooter, uh, scooter exhaust. Hmm. Need more coffee. Uh, <laughs> Sixty-eight miles an hour. Wow. That's, now that's. I'm running out of RPM. That's yeah. not. That's not the top speed. Yeah. Now that is full tuck. That's crouched down. You know, at little surface areas possible. Well, you're doing a speed run, dude. So yeah. Exactly. It's... Yeah. All out. Uh, and looking at the speedometer, I can verify that with the dyno and see where that crossover is. That's about uh, eleven and a half thousand. It's not making any power there. I'm just I'm I'm going past the power band and now dropping back down. Mm -hmm. uh, it's wheel speed at that point. Exactly. So I got race gears. I got a second uh, gear case. Popped that all apart. Now, unfortunately. I got the knockoff brand gears and not mm. the real Molossi ones. I have no idea, uh, like, side by side. I know they make a ton of noise. I mean, they're straight cut gears. I mean, they sound like race car. It's awesome. However, it does sound like when you're letting off throttle, the gears are just destroying themselves. <laughs> but when you accelerate, oh, beautiful wine. It's, it's amazing. Uh, so I only did one speed run with that because I was afraid of the thing just locking up on me. I mean, these are yeah. just uh, <laughs> Taiwanese gears. Like, you don't quite trust you know, your rear Yeah, I, I hear up. you, dude. Uh, 79 miles an hour. Fuck, dude. You you did it, dude, because that's, that's the goal everybody's going for. You know, I'm not a speed run guy. I'm not because I'm not. But, like, all I hear is the goal always is 70 on 70. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm technically a 68. So fuck dude. That's moving. I mean, that's it's, moving. It's almost blurry. Well, you went to tunnel vision. Yeah. Oh, I and, mean, and you're looking at your hands are about 14 inches apart mm -hmm. and your front wheels, two inches. And I'm still running those, those skinny pizza cutters on it. And so awesome. you know, close course, you know, all that legal. Yeah, you're safe. You're I safe as so you can safe. be. Those blueberry fields, a deer's not going to jump out of there or anything. <laughs> not at all. Turkeys, what are those? Yeah, exactly. Squirrels, <laughs> rabbits, possums, raccoons. You know, yeah. They, you're no safe way. as you can be in this situation. Yeah. Oh, but full helmet, gloves. Yeah. I've got a full suit. You know, at least, you know, if I can 
if I can uh, not hit something hard, I'm going to mm -hmm. be just fine. I've got leverage. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I did. I went fast that one time, and then I put the stock gearbox back in. Okay. So I still got it. I've, I'd like to do it again just for further verification, but I realized those guys back in the 70s going almost 100 miles an hour on these bikes, on true 50cc, it's 99% of it is airfoil. You get the air resistance around you. You mm -hmm. don't need that much power. Uh, that cylinder dynoed on uh, in the whole package at the rear wheel, uh, nine. So That's insane. Uh, I haven't calibrated mine to uh, anything. Uh, Have you ever tried fast. to run alcohol? No. I'm just well, I'm just wondering because I know. Uh, yeah, the two-stroke stuff and guys going above and beyond what I've ever seen possible with small motors. Mm -hmm. uh, I see his land raid, land speed racing attempts. What oh, the bike he's nuts. building. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you're starting to touch nitromethanol, like I've done RC cars in the past, yeah. and like that shit, like that's dangerous stuff. That's, uh, well, I'm not even saying nitromethanol. I'm just saying like pure corn, like out, like you know, pure ethanol, like oh, race race car. Not. No, I'm talking or pure ethanol. Method. Yeah, for like race cars and stuff like that. I know like oh. IMCA modifieds run it, go karts run it, that type because you're gonna lose, you're gonna gain horsepower with it. I mean that's a fact, but you're gonna lose your. Um, <laughs> we're not going for gas mileage. I mean it burns twice uh, no. as quick. <laughs> uh, I think the most I'd think of is uh, I could run a higher, com uh, nah, not so much higher compression, uh, higher octane running like mm -hmm. full 110 leaded. I can bump my timing up a ton more. I'm at 20 degrees time. Wow. Uh, I think I, I'm like at, uh, I say 20, that's the average. I started at 22 and then it drops it down to about 18. So I'm at 18 degrees timing at almost 11,000 RPM. So I'm able to get that great mid-range. Uh, it starts making power around 8,000. So a nice, broad, now, that's that's subjective. I can make power in about a 2,000 RPM range. That's awesome. I, and I can gear for that. I can adjust the variator. Yeah. Um, so we're going to, you and I have to talk some more another time about this, but um, we're going to keep this about you and not about me. Um, because that's what I'll do. I'll start rambling about me this whole fucking podcast because I'm an asshole like that. Uh, <laughs> so I know you've got jet ski. I, I think we almost, I have to bring you back another time just to talk about your other toys you have because we're, we're, um, for hours about my other hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up here halfway quick. Um, <laughs> I could I could give a quick rundown of the the few water toys I have. Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I got Ashley's communicating with me right now via Messenger. But yeah, dude. Like, if you guys have, I'm gonna put a link to your stuff. Um. And just some pictures and stuff like that. You need to check out Joe's other toys. They are insanely awesome. Um. And they look rad as shit. Um, yeah, why don't you go tell, just tell a quick little snippet on. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Kawasaki 550 jet ski. Probably what your dad rode back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, They're fucking rad, dude. They're so old school and great. Uh, 1995 Yamaha Super Jet. Once you get a Super Jet, you'll never go back. That's the dark side. Uh, <laughs> a 1988 Ultranautics wet bike. Uh, James Bond rode one in one of the hundreds of James Bond movies. Uh, picture yes. a dirt bike with skis on it that floats. Uh, so amazing. I actually build, uh, uh, I fabricate some parts for that bike that I sell, which actually paid for the wet bike and my super jet. So that was awesome. Uh, but my, my latest toy that was sort of, uh, like what my, my Hobbit build was like is a 1969 GW invader, uh, picture a 10 foot long speedboat tiny mm -hmm. weighs probably 250 pounds i put a 55 horsepower short shaft johnson on it <laughs> it's the motor weighs as much as the boat that's that thing is so massive it's hilarious and i i've never really been a water guy uh you know fishing boats we had a speedboat family speedboat back in the day uh but that that boat the invader uh bought it uh, in a field, there was uh, grass, little plants growing out of it. Uh, completely <laughs> rebuilt it, restored it, and uh, even that was about two years ago. And that's kind of my transition from mopeds now is is into watercraft. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not done with mopeds. I'm still making parts. Even just today, I shipped out a, uh, a Hobbit uh, variator bushing for a guy. You know, I'm okay. still in the game, but just uh. A lot more low-key. Uh, I'm there in the background, always lurking. I go on Moped Army still. I'm on a couple of Facebook groups. Uh, most of the people know what I build, uh, what I can build, what I can machine. Uh, I'm always down for a discussion. Yeah. yeah have ideas, want to bounce something off me. Uh, chances are I've either done it or I've thought of it enough to realize you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, when have you gotten your bike out yet this year, or is it still sitting in the shop? Oh, I've, I've had out a couple times now, uh, being we're in the, uh, I call it lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. haven't had a whole lot of time to, uh, to get on it, but the best part is I can walk back there, take the cover off like the water pump on and a couple pulls and it's running just fine nice it's been like no, that is, for the past two years is that your only moped or do you just have a fun little zip around because that's <laughs> that's such an aggressive bike dude like uh it, yeah it, it's it's gotta be a blast but it's like you just want to run to a coffee shop or you want to run oh, yeah. here or like you got something you just zip around on uh two weeks ago i would have said no <laughs> but uh, uh, we have a, a cottage up north on a small lake, which is also where all these watercraft are being used. Uh, I bought a stock 1978. Oh, no, it's not a 78. It's a 81 Honda Hobbit. Nice. Was Believe it? it... A totally stock. Uh, it's got the, uh, the battery on the side, the turn mm -hmm. signals. Uh, tore it completely down, 
cleaned it up, put it back together, I'm leaving it completely stock. Are you? It's for some reason it wasn't a hard decision either. Like not even like oh maybe I'll put a pipe on. It. Like nope, completely stock. Uh, it's about 28 miles an hour, and that's just fine. <laughs> I want to go fast. I can ride the one right next to it. Right on, dude. Good for you for like leaving a bike unmolested because like even i mean my bikes are nothing compared to yours but like even just throw a dr and a promo on it just for you know get out of the way of traffic safety factor i think is a lot of reason why people do performance parts i mean that's the reason why i got into a bit like but if you can get away with that dude that's so fucking rad like it's uh it's a whole different experience like if uh, i assume anyone who has mopeds has ridden a stock one mm-hmm. to to be able to kind of go full full circle have it stock get the bug make it go fast have a lot of fun but be able to reflect on back to what uh, the core of the moped was the two horsepower 30 miles an hour quiet believe it or not you can talk over them when they're <laughs> they don't all have to be loud no uh, it's uh it's uh almost call it humbling to know that I'm riding something that is that I turn into the monster that's right next to it like it's hidden in there yeah somewhere deep inside uh and I just let it out yeah yeah no dude that's that, that makes me happy that makes and maybe maybe you're going to re re-fall in love with mopeds again but yeah dude like I can gonna... always relapse at any time I exactly I've got exactly um Maybe we'll have to get you on to talk about your water sports a little bit more. Um, yeah, dude, Joe, this is great having you on. Um, and I think we're going to let you go. And, yeah, thank you so much for coming on Second Chance and giving us a second chance because I had a little bit of a snafu with the first time we tried to do this. But rock and roll, dude. I hope I'll be back on soon. Yes, yes. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this version of A Second Chance, a moped podcast. See you later. Holy cow, I feel dumb now. I mean, I was never smart to begin with, but then Joe came in with all this great information that, like, makes me think of how little information I truly have, Ashley. I'm glad (laughs) we got all that down because I'm going to have to go back a couple of times. You know when you read something you're like, None of that made it in, and you have to go back and reread. That's going to be this episode. Yeah, this is going to be about a four-time listen to for me. Joe is so nice and so awesome, like, giving all that great information. How And his build thread is so detailed. He is such a cool guy for doing that and so smart for doing that. Like, I always have the issue, Ashley, that, like, I get doing stuff, and then, like, I forget to write it down or I forget to take a picture, and then it's all done. I'm like, damn, I should have documented that. That's I, I'm very happy that people like him and Jake Kane um, document builds and others too. I mean, those are just the two people that always come to my head. Exactly. I, I managed to uh, get my builds down and get photos of everything. And then I'm just too lazy to put it all together. (laughs) Or I think of a better way to do something. I'm like, nah, I can't put that up there. The way I did that was fucking stupid. I need to do it again, and then I never get around to it. Yeah, it'll it'll happen to the best of us. I did. I tried doing a 
put how the easiest way to put tires on deal because that's one thing i am really good at like i've been changing tires since i was like 12 like car tires go-kart tires bicycle tires like i i'm pretty i can do it pretty much without screwdrivers at this point um but wow. yeah ashley well trust me there's a few tricks and yeah um ashley this was rad i'm so glad to have you on this podcast i'm so glad that um people listen to this podcast and i'm so excited for next week's guest mr rafter from motomatic all mr. right mr rafter mr rafter i know you're gonna be gone but we'll miss you on that episode ashley well thank you all right Thank you, everyone, and don't forget, mopeds are dumb. Mopeds are dumb.